0: You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City.
1: To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. Come on in, Mom and Dad. And you know what? I'm I'm happy to share my Mom and Dad with you guys. So, hey Dad, that's my seat, though no, I'm not sharing my seat. You're to come, you're to come sit here next to mom. <laughs> People need to see your handsome face. This is the interviewer's seat. How are you guys? Yeah. Ah, it's yeah. so good to see you. Um, so when Mum and Dad were here, usually, Mum, you've spoken at, at Cherish Conference a couple of times, and Mum and Dad, you've done just some sweet panels over, over the years you've been here, yeah. and you've, and they've been very helpful. People have loved them. And we're going to have a cup of tea because that's what you do in Australia. You have a cup of tea... And we're gonna have a cup of tea and we're gonna have a chat. It's gonna be nice and casual like. But we thought, you know, what a nice opportunity. It's on, mum, it's all good. All good in the hood. <laughs> up here, up here is a photo of my mum and dad on their wedding day. So, 54 years. <laughs> Look how handsome and beautiful. Did everybody get the right tea? But we, we just thought it would be. A a nice opportunity for you to be able to share some of your secrets. Now, can I ask this question to lead off? Are you up here because you're perfect and you've done everything right?
0: No. 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 No.
1: No.
2: (laughs) Absolutely not.
1: Yes. (laughs) Well, that's good. That's going to make people breathe a, a big sigh of relief. So maybe today the greatest thing you'll get from this evening's time together is some hope for your future. And I know, Mom, in our conversation, that's really what you wanted to bring. Yeah. So everybody relax and lean <laughs> in and snuggle in. We're about to have a nice chat with Alan Val. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Dad? Yep. How was it getting out of Australia? The, the world wants to know.
0: Like, well, getting out of Australia it was a challenge. Yes. Um, six months ago, uh, I said to you and "Yeah, we're going to get over here for Christmas. Yeah. I felt that. Um, but to get here, uh, triple vaccinated.
1: Uh-oh. Uh, COVID, we can pray for
0: a that. A COVID test. Yep. 24 hours before we came.
1: Yeah. You're um,
0: amazing. But it all happened. It all came together. And... Um, I was a little bit apprehensive uh, about the about jet lag because uh, every other time I've come over here, for two or three days, I, I you know, I, I sort of seem to have jet lag. Right. Um, and Mum, it's the other way. When she goes back home, she's jet lagged for a couple yeah, of Yeah, she days. arrives
1: yes. ready to party. She was born <laughs> for the USA, this one.
0: <laughs> but uh, anyway, the jet lag... Uh, I think Pastor Jürgen inadvertently sort of cured it this year. Um, <laughs> so when, when he got us down and, on the first day and he, he was very keen to show off, you know, the new house because we hadn't seen it.
1: They hadn't seen the house.
0: And the, uh, the pickleboard court. Pickleball
1: court, yeah. Um,
0: so he said, look, because I played a lot of sport when I was younger... I'm 77 now, so a little bit rusty, but anyway, I, I, was, <laughs> I was up to the challenge of, of a bit of a game of pickleball. Hold the
1: mic a bit lower, Dad. A bit lower. And, and put your hand here. This is mic etiquette. There oh, we go. Okay. We're right. going to have you singing at the Emmys before it's done. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Keep going. Pickleball. Um,
0: yeah. So, yeah, we, we started out uh, with, with a game, but yeah, Jürgen being sneaky, what? He, uh, <laughs> he, he just lobbed one just a little bit over the net. So um, Sounds the like old you, DNA, DNA, DNA came out in me and so I did the Becky Heinrich manoeuvre, which was <laughs> go for it as if your life depends on it. Come on. <laughs> and uh, that worked well because it, it was a great return. But um, in the doing, I smashed into the, in, into the, the net. The um, bat came right back out of my nose. Yeah. <laughs> so there was blood on the floor.
1: Come on, that's how we play over here. That's normal. You can be in a merge band now.
0: So, so, so the old nose felt like uh, a slippery dip with curves in it, and <laughs> I, I, just wondered if you know, Dr. Matt, you know, did, did nose manipulation, but um, I'm
1: sure he'll try.
0: <laughs> but yeah, in the Lord's uh, goodness, it's. Pretty much back to how it was, so that's good.
1: Perfect, and handsome. <laughs> yes, and he's in America. So, Dad, what made you, 54 years ago, choose Mum? Oh,
0: well, there was only, uh, well, one particular <laughs> reason. <laughs> she was the best-looking girl around. <laughs> <laughs> By a country mile.
2: By so. a country
0: mile, I love it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we... Uh, we're quite opposite in so many ways, but um, yeah. yeah. Opposite to I was really taken with her good looks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, oh, beautiful. Gosh. And
1: I know, isn't this true, mum? That grandma your parents' grandma and granddad said to dad when he asked for your hand in marriage, Are you sure you want to date are you sure you want to marry her? She's quite high maintenance. <laughs> <laughs> it is,
2: actually. <laughs> I didn't think that was what parents were supposed to say. <laughs> but they did say, are you sure? Because she's a real handful. So right. he, and he just got this wonderful sort of smirky smile on his face and didn't answer. So, <laughs> so I'm still enjoying that
1: smile. oh <laughs> 54 years. Ah, well, okay, so let's get into some questions. Um, I, I want to ask you guys, I've I got a whole lot of things here. I think we're going to really hit some, some good stuff. But let's start the beginning of your relationship. You got married and quickly had, like you did in those days, you quickly had children. How long had you been married when you had my uh, eldest sister, Linda? Fifteen months. Fifteen months, Wow. So that's how it was done back in those days. And then you had three babies relatively quickly. I had three under three. Yeah. Wow, three under three. And then for and then oftentimes in marriage, you can you you fall in love and you for the most part see each other's best while you're courting. But then I often find those first few years of marriage, particularly. A lot of the chickens from our childhood come home to roost and you have to deal with them. Usually in the first seven years, I find, and that's why they say it's a seven-year itch. Uh, Jürgen and I determined that we'd just scratch each other. But <laughs> a lot of marriages can, can tend to kind of fall apart at that stage because some of these issues come to the surface, and that was true for you guys. Dad, ha- you'd come from a very a Christian background but a very traditional religious background and you had some baggage as a result
0: i did yeah that's yeah. F- for sure
1: yeah and so as a result of that you um ended up you and mum ended up being separated so you could get helped for those for a, a season of time and then you had to and then you reached out to a minister you'd come from a church that didn't believe in freedom sunday yeah. and so you you had to go sit, seek deliverance for yourself in prayer correct
0: that's right. Um, there was a, an Anglican minister who um, had a, a charismatic type church, and uh, so I approached him, and uh, he prayed, and I was delivered, and it was wow. just like you know the the sun had just come out because I would lived in a in a very dark place for a for a couple of years and um,
1: you know it was very like bad a depression. De-
0: very bad depression, and. Um, Yeah, from that point on, uh, it's just been, you know, growth, you know, through Christ. So, um, yeah, but I believe that we learn from these experiences and um, I certainly learned a lot.
1: You did. And what I love about you, Dad, because when my dad went through this season, and there are obviously a lot of details that we don't have time to share, but the man I knew growing up, growing up as a girl because all this happened prior to my birth was nothing like the stories I had heard um, about what things were like for the two of you during that season when dad was battling depression quite severely and you, the two of you had to be separated while he got help. Um, so I want to I want to share that we want to share that to give you hope. Maybe you're you're in that you're single today and you're walking through that saying is is there any hope for me? Yes, there is hope for you. My 77-year-old father is sitting here today as a trophy of God's power that he can change a life. And and dad, what I love about you too is you've always for you even though that momentary That moment of deliverance was so powerful, as you've spoken of, but you have done the work of freedom throughout your life. Like, you and mum have been avid churchgoers, been very, very integrated. My whole life growing up, we always went to church. We were never not part of a church family. um, And they were healthy churches. And and even in your own time, like I was always, mum, you're going to share a bit of your story, but... Kenneth and Gloria Copeland were a staple in our family. <laughs> now, now they've been a little bit replaced by Joseph Prince and a few others, but but he really helped you find and walk out your freedom because there was so much religiosity there. His messages really helped you. That's bring right. Breakthrough. They did.
0: Yes, they certainly did because um, uh, yeah, I had a, a religious spirit. Um, we were involved in a, in a Seventh Day Adventist church, and it was. You know, so much law yes. and uh, life was miserable. Wow. Um, but the freedom that we have in contrast through Christ, um, you know, it's just mind blowing. And so we've walked in that now for quite a, a long time, so it's been wonderful.
1: Yeah, yeah, amen. So good. <laughs> so, Mum, what was that like for you? Because you, were, you had three little girls who were toddlers. Um, you were only in your 20s, Yeah, you're, you were a, a young wife, just a brand-new Christian also, and you're in this position where literally the, the rug's being pulled out from under your feet and you're having to deal with this crisis. I think these days there are a lot of people that just would have said, this is too much, I don't want to have to deal with this, and moved on. You didn't. What was it like and why, and what helped you stay? And how can you encourage women or men who are here today and facing a similar thing in their marriage?
2: Um, <clears throat> it wasn't easy. You know, I don't know if you can say it in America, but like it really sucked.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you can say it. It's America, you can say anything. <laughs> That's why we moved here.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It was hard. It was extremely hard. I can't pretend that it wasn't. And um, just to add to the complications, in that time period when Alan wasn't well and I had, as Leanne said, three babies and um, my mother died at the same time and... I just felt like my whole world was falling apart and there yes. was nowhere to go. But I'd become a Christian. I was very brand-new Christian. It um, was only, like, two years. And um, But I hung on to God. I, You know, like, I'm by no means perfect and I can remember a particular occasion... When things were really bad and um, I was obviously on my own and just getting down on the floor and actually telling God, this is too hard. Mm. I can't be a Christian, you know, like there are too many do's and don'ts and rules and pressure and... Like, I'm drowning here, so as much as I want to know you, you know, I don't think I'm made of the right stuff. So, you know, uh, I think we'll part company. And I think I lasted about six days. (laughs) (laughs) And I can remember just as clearly, you know, where I told God, you know, we'd have to break up. Sort of like a marriage, isn't it, really? <laughs> and coming back to that same spot and saying to God, I can't do this without you. It's, you know, if I thought it was hard with you, it's nothing like it is without you. And I can just remember saying to him, you know, I I just need you in my life. I can't do this alone. I don't care whether there's heaven or anything else. um, It's not about that. I just want you. I want that relationship with you. And I can remember getting up from the floor and um, deciding to just put one foot after the other. And the other reality for me was, too, that um, our eldest daughter was... Linda was probably three and a half. So, um, and when I had become a Christian, because I wasn't a Christian when I married Alan, but that's a whole other story, and I... um, I wanted my girls to know God and I'd always from, as soon as I got to know him, I talked to them about him. And so the other thing that kept me putting one foot after the other was my girls because I never wanted them to see their mothers say, this is too hard for God, this wow. is too big for God because I wanted them to know that nothing is too hard for God and nothing is too big. You're amazing, Mum.
1: And so I had to live that out. And and what what a reward when I look at your relationship, your love and your affection and those of you, those people that know you personally here would be able to attest to the genuine love that you had and to think, you know, You would never have experienced that had you not persevered the way you did, both of you. So thank you for being an example worthy to follow. Very proud to be your daughter. I want to ask you this question. Let's move into something else. Issues at play in our culture. So we're going to kind of bounce a little bit from marriage to family, children, all all the things. Um, Some issues in our culture. You had five little girls. I mean, that's like herding cats. That's, that's a wrangle right there. But we, we had really full lives and by and large we were pretty well behaved and well accepted by our peers and got invited to parties and all those kinds of things for the, for the most part. Mm. But one of the things that I'm noticing today in today's world's culture is there are a lot of, a lot of children that are undisciplined and bratty so, like, brats seem to be a little bit more of a modern problem. I mean, they were back, back there and then, weren't they? You know, like, they've lived in every season, but they've, they've kind of reached plague status at this point. <laughs> so, so I want to talk about this, and it's good. I, I don't want to condemn anyone, and that's why this is perfect. Nobody needs to feel the spotlight on them. We can all learn together. But let's give wisdom, because you had five little girls. Yeah. And we, I mean, I, I, as a kid... I remember from the age of like three to six, I got spanked daily, (laughs) daily. And actually, Dad, I remember one day you coming in and tucking me into bed at night and you said, oh, love you, Leanne. I'm so proud of you today. I didn't have to spank you once today. And I was so proud of myself. I went 24 hours without having to be spanked and it was like... Look at me.
0: Leanne was so mischievous, yeah. <laughs> and unfortunately for her, she uh, often was put in the, in the hitting chair, which was right beside <laughs> yeah, me. Yeah, that's
1: right. I had to sit next to Dad at the dinner table, for I was in perfect striking distance. <laughs> but it still, didn't stop me. I gave my veggies to the dog. I,
0: <laughs> I did it all. But uh, she was so mischievous, but so delightful that um, so often we, uh, we had to laugh on the side. You know, we had to try and keep a straight face while we were disciplining. Yeah. But, uh, you know, as we saw the potato being put under the placemats. <laughs> yeah.
1: Things like oh, that. Oh, dear. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> and then I married Jürgen and I knew what true mischief was. <laughs> now I'm the sensible one. <laughs> Lord help us all. But, but Mum, I mean, look, I didn't like being spanked by Dad, but you were a whole nother level. Uh,
0: <laughs> Mothers
1: could make it sting. <laughs> and uh, uh, we, had the, we had the feather duster, but it was that end, that, the whippy end. It was On the back end. of the legs. Mm. I deserved everyone, so do not feel sorry for us. And honestly, it was part of the reason that we, we've kind of lived moral lives Uh, because of the discipline, but tell that story about Linda when she was a little girl. Well, Linda's
2: our eldest and um, she would have been around 13, 14 months old and suddenly something happened she didn't like and I'd never seen this behaviour in her before, but she just threw a tantrum. She just threw her little self on the floor and screamed and flung her arms about because it wasn't going the way she wanted. And uh, Linda was uh, a quick learner, so she was, even at that age, quite articulate. So (laughs) she was letting me know in no uncertain terms she was not happy. And I'm just looking at this child. And so I thought, no, no. This isn't good enough. So I just picked her up and I gave her a firm whack on her behind and she stood up and she looked at me like, what the heck happened? (laughs) And I just walked away. And so next thing I know, she's trotting along behind me quite happy. (laughs) So I thought, OK,
1: that's a strategy. So... (laughs) I carried it out with the other four. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> so, so you didn't tolerate, like, that, I think that's a thing. Yeah. When you tolerate it, you, you teach it, you affirm, yep. even if not with your own words, that those behaviours are okay. So oh, yeah. you're saying that you just nipped it in the bud. Well, straight away, and because, like, there
2: were plenty of... I mean, I wasn't the only young mum on the planet. So we had neighbours and there were lots of toddlers and things around. And I'd sat through some, you know, awful situations with, as Leanne said, children, uh, they were just brats. They ran the family. Mm. You know, they told their parents what was going to happen next. and there wow. was there Somebody was...
1: write that down.
2: <laughs> Are your children telling you what's going to happen next? So... There was no way I wanted that. So, um, yeah, so I just stepped in and the girls learned very quickly that there was acceptable and unacceptable behaviour and the unacceptable behaviour was going to be dealt with immediately. So there was no way till your father got home or any of that stuff or... <laughs>
1: It just got it. administered instantly. Yeah, <laughs> and I know, I know that we're getting a golf clap applause because people can be scared to applaud spanking. Um, now look, oh no, sorry, there you go. Oh, we got a standing ovation. Oh, come on, ah, look, there are there I'd are like, some can children. I just say yes, one go thing. ahead.
2: What I noticed in the circle of friends, with the people that whose children you would generally see them coming and you'd think, oh, no, you know, <laughs> and were reluctantly, if ever, invited to things, um, that the parents, when they were little, would make excuses for them. If I had a dollar for every time I heard a mother say, oh, they're tired, oh, they're teething, Oh, you know, it's too hot. Oh, it's too cold. And I would just think, no, they're just plain naughty. (laughs) So I think you can perpetuate that sort of behaviour if you make excuses for your children. When you excuse bad behaviour in a 12-month-old, you're still going to be
1: excusing it in a 20-year-old. Wow. That's some solid wisdom. From Solomina right here. And then every time you and Dad uh, made a threat, you followed through. So that was... So I knew if you said, if you do that again, I'm going to spank you, that was going to happen. Yeah. I knew if you said, if you do that, you'll be grounded, that was going to happen. It wasn't ever an empty threat. It happened. It happened. (laughs) It happened. It happened. happened. Yeah. Okay. Everybody still breathing out there? All right. Good. Good, good. All right, so speaking of bad behaviour and tantrums, Mum, I want you to share a story that I love, so powerful. So in your marriage relationship with Dad, uh, you have a story of an encounter you had with God when your behaviour was less than awesome in the (laughs) marriage that I want you to share. It's going to give hope and affirmation to some husbands and maybe challenge a couple of wives, but then also give them hope because they'll realise... Nobody's yeah. perfect. Yes, I must
2: admit, I was really good at less than awesome. <laughs> and um, my parents' words to Alan when he asked for my hand in marriage proved to be true. I could be quite a handful. And um, so early in our marriage, um, you know, I could be quite strong about things and... Um, express my opinion and sometimes with great vigour, shall we say. So I, anyway, and this was the funny part about it. I would get up early in the morning and I would have a quiet time. I would pray and have my Bible and then go through that and then I would watch a Bible study with Kenneth or Gloria Copeland and we used to get it in Australia at 5.30. So I really was getting up early and because I we didn't have a, what do they call them back then, video recorders. Yeah. So for those of you who uh, <laughs> that don't know what that is, don't stuff, worry about it. You don't need to. But um, so I was sitting there and having the Bible study and I had prayed and I was listening to Kenneth Copeland. Now, I can't remember what he was talking about, but in the midst of that, because I'd come out and the cat... I need to give you some context. I'm not a big cat fancier, but my kids had a cat. And I walked out to where I have my quiet time and the cat was laying on the windowsill. Now, there's Cute. a crime right there. <laughs> but, so the cat's just laying on the windowsill, minding its own business, and I looked at this cat... And I went, rotten cat, and and sat down, you know. So anyway, I'm going through all this Bible study and then Kenneth Copeland and everything, and suddenly I hear God speak so clearly. Now, I know it was God, so don't try and censor it. It was God. And he said to me, are you ready? (laughs) He said to me, Val, you're a cranky bitch.
1: (laughs) You're a cranky bitch.
2: (laughs) Uh, And I'm like, okay. And and, but I knew it was God. And of course, so I go racing into the bedroom and Al's asleep in bed and I just shook him and he's like, and I said, Al, Al, God just spoke to me. And he's like, and I said, no, and guess what he said? And he had this look on his face like, I don't want to know, let me go back to sleep. And I said, no, no, guess what he said? He said, Val... You're a cranky bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and Al's eyes opened a bit further, and he went, "It's about time someone told you."
1: <laughs> oh, hilarious! Oh, so good.
2: <laughs> that is so true. <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah. So, you know, you really know God's your father when he talks
1: to you like that. That's true. <laughs> oh, I love that story. Yeah. <laughs> it's so it's so good because it's so real. We some so many people pretend when they come to church and they pretend in their relationship with God. And I appreciate your honesty and your candy, and I appreciate the that God's so epic and awesome, and he's yes. and he speaks yes. to us in languages we'll understand. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> now we know. Listen, that word in Australia isn't bad. So just relax if you if you have a religious spirit. Have Dad pray for you afterwards. He's <laughs> got breakthrough in that area. So you can right. know God speaks Australian. That's right. He sure does. He sure does. All right. Okay. What do I want to ask you guys next? We've got a couple of minutes left. Okay, So your Heavenly Father spoke to you, and he gave you that word, and and things started to shift for you there. You were just kind of working out some some different attitudes and maybe some resentments and different things. So beyond that moment, what what did you do to change and become more pleasant? (laughs) (laughs) Because you are so pleasant and fun. Um, What practical steps can you give to people whose husbands are nudging them right now or maybe wives nudging nudging husbands? I just
2: took it one day at a time, really, didn't we? And I, you know, the thing is, when you know God loves you, when you know he cares enough about you to tell you the truth, When you understand that his love is real and that, like, God said I was a cranky bitch but he loved me. Right. You know what I mean? He didn't... While I was that person, he loved me. And that knowledge changed my life. He didn't love me because I did the right thing. He didn't love me because I was the perfect Susie homemaker. He didn't love me because I amened everything that came out of Alan's mouth. Thank goodness. And, <laughs> and, but he loved me right there in that moment while I was being that so-and-so. And that took hold of me. Instead of me being mad at God... And offended and wondering how he could say that and that's not fair. And I think the thing that God taught me was that just like I never made excuses for my children's behaviour, I didn't make excuses for my own.
1: Wow. Wow. Snap.
2: (laughs) And so I was on this learning journey. You know, and when God spoke to me, I listened. And when I understood the depth and the eternal nature of God's love for me, that love changed me from the inside out. I didn't change myself. You know, like Alan had tried to change me, that didn't work. I had tried to change Alan, that didn't work. But God changed both of us. The power of his love changed both of us and made us one. And that's where we need to focus, not on fixing each other, but allowing God to work in each other and make us one.
1: Beautiful, Mum. Thank you, Mum. Okay, I'm going to, mum, I'm going to ask you a question that's then going to frog leap into a question to dad, and then we're going to pray for people, kind of close things down. But you're, you've are you got five married daughters, Yeah. so you've had to, both of you have had to give your daughters away five times to, to the men that uh, they're married to. So talk to us about that, because, um, you know, one of the issues in the world today, and predominantly in 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 America I find is a reluctance to for the parents to allow their children to leave and cleave mm. so there's there's those apron strings that ma- they are made of of chain link sometimes they're very hard hard to break. so how did you you've never been a controlling mother-in-law you've always been very releasing um, you after hearing from God allowed me to get married at 17. And move to another country and go into full-time ministry, and we've actually never lived in the in the same vicinity ever since I was 17. I'm now almost 47. Mm-hmm. So for 30 years, you've had to release me to God and to my husband, and I've never found you being controlling, demanding, or manipulative. So, so can you just share some wisdom on that, maybe for mothers that are having a hard time today, um, and even fathers in letting their children become one like you did with dad and like you've let us with our husbands
2: we just really made up our minds actually that you know god said something to me um, when my girls got married and i could, and i've never forgotten it he said to me i want you to love their husbands and i'm like i do You know, and feeling rather pleased with myself. And, you know, and there wasn't a a son in law we've got that we've we've thought, oh my goodness, where'd she find him? So it wasn't, you know, uh, hard. But what God, but as I I thought about it and God repeated it, He said, I want you to love their husbands. And I realised as time went on, that that was going to be a bit of a challenge mm-hmm. because they didn't always do what I would like the way I would like it. You know, I wasn't doing handstands at the thought of four of our girls lived away, Hong Kong, New Zealand, all that sort of thing. So we, we let them all go and it, it wasn't easy. But at no point did Alan or I ever say, or hopefully intimate, that in any way they were doing the wrong thing. Because what I wanted for my girls was a happy marriage. I wanted them to be one with their husbands as I was with their father. And I have a friend, just by way of illustrating the damage that this can do, a friend of mine... Um, She uh, married an Australian man. She moved to Australia. She lived in England. When she was leaving, her mother said to her, if you leave me, I'll die. Now, about six or seven years after uh, she left, her mother died. Now, this friend of mine is now well into her 70s. And she still talks to me about that, the impact of those words. As much as I have tried to tell her, she will still on occasions, say to me, I killed my mother. Oh. So don't do that. Don't ever do that. God said to leave and cleave for a very good reason. There's only room for two in a marriage. Yep. It's not, and mother makes mother-in-law makes three, or father-in-law makes three. It's baby makes three, yeah. and any parent that manipulates their child with language like my friends, you know, like really, you need to be horsewhipped.
1: Wow! <laughs> 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 violent, violent parents. <laughs> Yeah, that's also an Australian term. Strike that under Australian terms. <laughs> yes, I mean, yeah, that it it's it's a horrible horrible thing to do to pit your spouse against your uh, your child against their spouse, and I think what happens is you can you 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 risk losing both of them, yeah. or worse, their marriage ending because of your interference. And I think that's that. I, I had a I had an incident when my eldest son got married, when Ash and Aubrey got married, it was Christmas time, and I called Ash and I said, "Well, what time can I expect you guys for Christmas? Because we're going to celebrate Christmas, because we always celebrate Christmas together." And I hear this silence, and then, oh, um, "Well, actually, um, um," and then, "We're not going to come. We're having Christmas with Aubrey's family." And immediately, I was like, oh, no, you didn't. <laughs> and I, I, kind of, I played nice, and I put the phone down. And then I went to my husband. and I said, you better talk to your son <laughs> <laughs> about our family Christmas traditions. And I will never forget the Holy Spirit saying to me, Leanne, if you, if you battle this way, if you try to pit uh, your, your son's wife and you in a competition, you're going to lose wow. and you should want to lose. Wow. You should not want to win. And I i mean, um, thank God I learned the lesson at the beginning. But it is, I think every mother-in-law worth her salt will have to wrestle that thing to, gr- to the ground in the early days mm-hmm. because she, he, even though he's, he'll always be my son, he now has a preeminent position. He's Aubrey's husband wow. and that's number one and it should be number one. Yeah. So, yeah. so for mums-in-laws out there who don't, Uh, who are doing that and manipulating that in that way, I really hope in the most respectful way that you lose.
2: I really do. Amen.
1: And it'll be to your benefit. So, Dad, I want to ask you this question. Um, Is there ever a time where a father needs to step in and talk to his son or son-in-law or his son-in-law, and pull them aside and say, this isn't how it's meant to look.
0: Certainly is. And um...
1: and you can share a story. Go ahead.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I've had to do that with four out of five of my um, sons-in-laws. Yeah. And uh, guess who was first? <laughs>
1: <laughs> if you ain't first, you're last. <laughs> Come on, Yogi, you won again. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yep, Yogi was the first. <laughs> In New Zealand, um, you know, you you were pregnant. We came over about two weeks before Jordan was uh, due to uh, be born, and my uh, you were son. in a lovely home there, which uh, yeah. you had been promised to be there for about five years. Yep. And uh, the couple, uh, I won't mention their names. I remember it well to protect the guilty, but um, <laughs> they. Uh, sent word that you had to be out within six weeks. This was about six weeks before Jordan was born and then you had a, uh, a date of about one or two days after Jordan was born. And to top it off, um, Jürgen was working for a, a, a pastor who was a bit of a jerk, to put it politely, uh, and hopefully hopefully, he has <laughs> changed his ways. But um, And uh, so we had to find somewhere for you and little baby jordan it was a little bit like baby jesus nowhere <laughs> <Yes>. to go <laughs> That's right. and fortunately there was a, a, a beautiful chinese guy he was an air steward for air new zealand yeah and he had a very small uh, little place and he said look i'm away a lot you know you can move in here yeah. so fortunately your mum and i were still there and your mum can turn a hovel into a home very quickly. She's got a great gift. (laughs) And um, so that's what happened. I said to Jürgen, uh, firstly, we're going to take Leanne and little baby Jordan, and he was only about five days, I think, was he? he Five days old. When he had a passport.
1: He had a passport photo photo taken at five days old. And he
0: came over with us. To Australia. And I said to Jürgen, you've really got to step up here because... This just isn't good enough for our daughter. Um, you know, the wages were pathetic. Uh, the, yeah. h- there was no empathy from the, from the gentleman. So just not good enough for our daughter. And, um,
1: so I got rescued and swept away to Australia just for two weeks uh, to give Jogan wow. time to get his act together.
0: Thank That's you. right. And I think Jorgen has shared probably with most of you the miracles that did occur Yes. yes After that, yep. yeah, Yeah, in New Zealand, and you know you went, but it was a process. Yeah.
1: Um. Mm.
0: But Jurgen did need that talk,
1: and he responded well to his credit. <laughs> he responded credit. well, yeah. and
0: you know we're just so proud of him because mm. of you know how he's developed you, and yeah. uh, mm. so um, but that was the first occasion.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so true. So that's what. So you never stop being a father.
0: Never stop being your father. Or a grandfather.
1: Right, that's right. Or a
0: great-grandfather. So beautiful.
1: So <laughs> so even in the, the conversation about not being controlling and manipulative and meddling where you're not called, called to or being demanding, there are instances where, as parents, you may need to step in and say, this is not what it's supposed to look like. I did not give my daughter away at an altar for it to look like this.
0: So... That's right. That's so important. It is so important.
2: Yeah. And Jürgen responded beautifully. And um, I'll tell you what, his act is very much together. Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) He's a good man. He's a quick learner. He's a good hubby. He's
2: very teachable.
1: Yeah. Okay, in closing, um, Mum and Dad, you pray every day. For your children, you pray together every day
0: yeah. for well, your children. We your take communion every day and pray by name for all of you. Yeah. have yep. a quiet time at the start of the day and yep. we've done that for a long time because um, we know the protection that you know, the Lord has over our family.
1: And now, are all your grandchildren perfect? Oh, gosh, no.
2: <laughs> and I'm biased too. <laughs> like, I think they're amazing but they're definitely not perfect. We don't do perfect, we do growing. (laughs) (laughs) That's good.
1: But you've been able to stay in peace as grandparents and parents with some, you know, some pretty high-level issues, problems, family dilemmas, crises. But you and Dad have always been a steady rock of peace and comfort do you, do you put that down to the fact that you pray and commit your family to God every single day and take communion and declare the blood of Jesus over your children and your, your grandchildren?
2: Oh, gosh, yes. I mean, God God is the answer. I don't care what your question is. God <laughs> is the answer. And um, as I discovered all those years on the room floor ago... You know, I don't want to do life without God and I trust him and I trust his word and so does Al. We trust him. We trust him with our children, we trust him with our grandchildren and we're going to trust him with our great-grandchildren if any of our children are listening. Yeah. LAUGHTER and um where's Raquel yeah. <laughs> oh, hi. and so but there was um I don't know whether it's a song or what but I heard it a long time ago and it's and I repeat it to myself continually when I'm tempted to look at what's happening instead of keeping my eyes on Christ and it's no matter what I think no matter what I feel or see I know that God is working mightily for me,
1: yes. amen, 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 amen. Well, let's stand up. I'm going to get mom. I'm going to get you to pray, and and um, I know for me, when I was given the report, when I was pregnant with Zoe, and they told me that you know she was going to be, if she was born alive, there would be severe complications um, and issues. And the first thing I did was call my mum. And I called my mum and I just told her everything through tears and she was in Australia, I was in America and she just, I just hear this pause, this breath and she said, Leanne, everything is going to be okay. Your little girl is perfect. Wow. And she is. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> And I, I want to thank you, Mum and Dad, for being incredible parents to me incredible grandparents to your grandchildren. Great example. And I want to share my mum and dad with you. So maybe you're here today and you're thinking, I wish I had a mum and dad like that. You, go. <laughs> you got one. I'm happy to share. They're beautiful people. Um, yeah. yes. And, you know, if you never had this, you can be this. And, and, and here's what it comes down to. Everything my mum said, this is not about perfection. This is not about behaviour. This is not about having a perfect story. We've already proven that. It's about that place of surrender where you fully and truly surrender your life to God. And so we're going to give an opportunity for people to respond to, to Jesus here. But before we do, mum and dad, will you pray like a parental blessing over... My church family, the people that I love, the people that God has called me to parent, would you step forward and pray over them? Just lift your hands. Just receive from God today. God's going to heal some hearts. Heavenly Father, we
2: thank you. We thank you that you love us, that you know each one of us individually. You know our hearts. You know what we carry. You know what holds us down and what lifts us up. And I thank you that your love never fails. I pray, Father God, right now that that unfailing love will reach into the hearts and minds of everyone here this afternoon, uh, this evening, sorry. And, Father, I pray that you will fill them with the knowledge of your love, that you will empower them with that love that never fails. I thank you, Father, that you are always there, that you are indeed a good, good Father and that nothing is impossible with you. I thank you, Father God, that you have promised to never leave us or forsake us, that those who put their trust in you will never be made ashamed. I thank you, Father, that when we take hold of your word, and believe it. Help us, Father. We need to believe it. I remember, Father God, how I went from believing in God to believing God to receiving from God. So help us all to be receiving believers. Father, I pray now that you will fill us up. With the confident expectation of your love empowering us to live every day, growing up into you. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. Amen.
0: Amen. amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.